She is one of the most trusted voices regarding NBA Top Shot. She hosts her Twitch stream, NBA Top Shot Steph. We now welcome Steph Soto onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Steph? Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Hoopsology. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Justin. You're welcome. Um, it's funny, Steph, because as I've been telling our guests and even Matt himself, I didn't even heard of NBA Top Shot a couple of months ago, and now it's just been a metamorphosis of thinking it's ridiculous. I'm like, what is everybody being up to? And then yesterday, I finally opened my first pack, finally, after just waiting um, in line, and it was such a, I don't know, it, I would say it was more of a, uh, I might be overstating it, like that the word I can come to is magical. I don't know. Um, just in terms of this, and it was only three cards too. I think it was John Morant, Steph Curry, and Patrick Beverly. Those were the three. Wow. Um, it's just like <laughs> the experience was just kind of, you know, the music involved and the highlights. It's just, I don't know, you can't get that with like a trading card. Um, so with that being said, Steph, I want to ask you the recent news of Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson investing into NBA Top Shot. When you first heard this news, what crossed your mind and did it have any effect on the market at all in terms of, I don't know, the current packs that are out there, the current digital collectibles that are out there, knowing that, you know, Michael Jordan is now a possibility in the future sometime? Yeah, uh, well, honestly, I wasn't surprised. I thought it was only a matter of time before, you know, something like this happened. But yeah, they raised, you know, over $300 million uh, for Dapper Labs, which is the company behind NBA Top Shot. So um, you know, I don't know if all of it's going to go into NBA Top Shot. They're working on other projects as well. But it is exciting to see, you know, a bunch of professional athletes, not just basketball players, but there's a lot and even celebrities, too, that invested, you know, into Dapper Labs. And I think it's really good. I think, you know, we have something great and and everyone wants a Michael Jordan moment. And it was like, you know, are we going to ever be able to do that? You know, because that's going to be really hard for them to be able to negotiate that. But I think we will see that. Um, I don't know if it's going to be before we're out of beta, though, just because I feel like they need to be prepared for the crazy wave that, you know, is going to hit once that happens. Steph, what have you observed so far um, with NBA Top Shot, just doing some research on you. Um, you were in on it fairly early in the process. So now we're in April. We've seen a little bit of buzz, but I don't think it's hit critical mass yet in terms of just Matt's popularity. I kind of did a poll with just uh, Matt and I's circle of friends and then some you know friends on Facebook. And it seems like people are not in the know of the digital collectibles and NBA Top Shot specifically. So just being on the site and just messing around with it, and as I stated earlier, buying my first pack, there's been some ups and downs, as you would expect, with a site being in beta. What have you observed so far? Are there any warning signs, anything that has really like concerned you once this thing really gets super popular, or you think they'll work it out once they get out of beta? I think there's definitely, I think the reason why, you know, your average person doesn't know about NBA Top Shot. Like, you know, you walk around on the street, ask 10 people what that is. They're probably not going to know, you know, and maybe they've heard of it, but they've never created an account. Uh, you know, they don't have any moments. I, I think, you know, right now they're not trying to advertise and they're not trying to get a lot of new users because they have a lot of infrastructure stuff that they have to work on. Um, you know, for example, they need, you know, with Jaws for Everyone, currently that's like a huge... I guess, you know, issue where a lot of people are, are kind of, um, I guess, a little bit stressed out about that is, is that, you know, they have a very small team. They have eight people working on withdrawals right now. And those same people are working on, you know, uh, the KYC identity checks, you know, uh, initially approving withdrawals and then actually approving the pending ones. And it's like 
so much work. Like there's so many people on the platform and they need to grow and train and build systems. Another thing is support tickets. You know, we're seeing a very long time. It's not like, you know, you, you submit a support ticket and you get, you know, a response back immediately. Like you could be waiting weeks. And so that that's also another thing is that like they're not ready to scale until they have, you know, support down, uh, withdrawals for everyone down, systems built, uh, you know, into place. And then, you know, multi-accounting and botting, that's becoming a problem too. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of things that before they get out of the beta, they're not, they're going to need to work on these things before they really want to take off. Steph, can you walk us through, just kind of take us back. You mentioned some of the issues there, which is good to know. Um, Justin got his pack. I'm hearing about his three cards that he got, three players that I I like, and I'm a little jealous. If I wanted to start, can you, and if there are listeners that want to get a pack, can you just kind of quickly walk us through that process? What's that like to register to get a pack? Uh, what's your typical expectation? I know there's been talk of a lot of people kind of waiting in line and then not getting the packs that they're issuing for that day. So kind of walk us through that process and then any tips that you might have to be successful in getting a pack. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning when I started, it was like packs were abundant. It was extremely easy to get packs. Uh, but now it's extremely difficult. And like, for example, right now at this point in time, you know, if you were to go on the website, you can't buy a pack. They're all sold out. So, you know, when packs do drop, uh, people go crazy over them, you know, because everyone wants that excitement of opening a pack, you know, and so they're working on, that's something they're working on is they have said before that they their goal is that everyone, you know, all new users should be able to sign up and be able to get a pack and open it. But right now that's not the case, you know, and we see new users signing up and it's like, you know, you're going to have to wait because there's just so much demand for these packs and um, there's not enough supply right now. So, but once you do get a pack, you know, yeah, you have to wait in the queue line, you know, once your turn, uh, you can buy one, you know, you can't buy more than one pack right now. And then you can open the pack and, you know, see what you get inside. And it's like, it's random. So, you know, you could really hit it big with, you know, really great players or, you know, some people I've seen someone get three in a row of like the bottom of the barrel, which is still right now positive <laughs> ROI. So nothing to complain about, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a cool experience opening your first pack. Steph, what do you see as, so you know, in my mind as as a product, and Justin and I have talked about this before, th- there are some comparisons, I think, it's, it's not a perfect comparison, but to Top Shot packs and like kind of the shoe market, like the resale shoe market and shoe collectors, um, There, there's kind of a... It makes it cool. It makes it unique to have that exclusivity to make it a little bit difficult to get packs. Now, I think, you know, in the stages it's in, it it may be a little too difficult to get those packs. Um, But could you see there being like benefits and keeping value high by making it a little bit more exclusive and making people have to wait? And what do you think kind of a good line to walk is with that for, um, you know, for Dapper Labs? Yeah, I think their goal is, you know, they want the special, you know, the rare. So there's like three tiers right now. You know, there's common, uh, which should be kind of accessible to everyone, the common packs. Then there's the rare tier, uh, which should be a lot harder to get. Usually the supply is significantly less. And then there's the legendary tier, which should be extremely difficult to get. And and they're even talking about having, you know, 
uh, certain requirements for the legendary tier in order to even be eligible. So, yeah, I mean, of course, the rare and the legendary tier should be very difficult to get. But I do believe that right now it is a little bit harder than it should be to get, you know, common packs. Uh, but I, it's just because I don't think, you know, we had such a huge spike in users in um, both January and in February, we had an insane spike. And so they're kind of playing catch up from that. And, um, you know, I don't think they expected it. It was just a natural organic viral spike. You know, they didn't advertise for it. So uh, and they're not trying to actually put a lot of they haven't even put any paid advertising in. They're not trying to advertise yet until they can really you know, make it easy to get a common pack. You know, everyone should be able to get a common pack. Uh, but it should be hard to get the rare and legendary, I, I do believe. Do you think that um, there was a tie-in with, like, the the GameStop event that happened and, you know, stonks and all that uh, and the popularity of Top Shot increasing? Or what What do you think caused that, that kind of organic spike in February? Um. Honestly, social media um, is always it's always word of mouth and it's just going viral. Like it was a lot of big purchases that people all of a sudden see this as, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people started to see it as like a get rich quick kind of thing. And and so, you know, we saw the prices skyrocket because they weren't prepared for that spike. And so there was barely any supply, barely any packs, you know, barely any supply in the ecosystem. And so the prices of everything were just getting overinflated by insane amounts. And unfortunately, that was not sustainable. You know, they had to come out with a bunch of supply after that. And all of a sudden, you know, you saw the prices of everything go down. And so a lot of people were like, oh, my God, you know, it crashed, which it's like not really. Because if you look at, you know, from from June when they first started to now, we've made insane progress, you know. And so, yeah, I think it's great to be growing, you know, organically. Um, the viral spikes, they are exciting, but they don't necessarily help for the long term because it can get really, uh, it can just be a lot to handle, you know. Steph, I want to shift gears and um, talk to you specifically about the, the NBA itself. Can you kind of go over overall your background with the, just the NBA? Were you a huge fan or not? Was it the, the collectibles, the NFT side that attracted you to NBA Top Shot? Or was it some connection to the game of basketball? Yeah, well, when I first started in October, um, you know, there was only there was barely anyone on the platform, like maybe a thousand people. And most of us were actually not necessarily huge NBA fans. Actually, a lot of us were more um, NFT fans and into the crypto world. And, um, you know, a lot of people came from CryptoKitties, you know, which is Dapper Labs, you know, original product. And you can actually still buy those they're on the ethereum blockchain right now but they are moving over to the flow blockchain which is what uh nba top shot is on so that'll be exciting when they when they do that but yeah i actually i i do enjoy the watching the nba you know as a kid i used to watch a lot and um now actually not as much like i haven't seen an nba game in a, in a while um but i just thought it was interesting because you know I remember um, hearing Gary V, who I'm a pretty big Gary V fan. He was really pushing, you know, physical sports cards, guys, physical sports cards. And then I saw this NBA Top Shot and it was like a digital moment. And it's like a video clip, you know, and you can own, you know, different serial numbers uh, and they're on the blockchain. So there's proof that you own it. 
They're digital, so they can never get damaged. You don't have to get them graded. You can easily buy and sell, you know, in the marketplace. Like that was really cool to me. And uh, I got hooked immediately. And I was like, oh, my God, like this, in my opinion, this was like the revolutionary um, physical sports card. Of course, I can think that I think they will exist, um, you know, parallel. But I do think that it's really cool. And especially the younger generation, they're used to owning digital stuff. So I think it's very easy for them to get attached to this idea really quickly. Um, but yeah, originally I didn't get into it because I was an NBA fan. I got into it because it was an NFT and I was uh, into, you know, NFTs. So you don't see, I guess I'll ask instead of making an assumption, do you, as more um, people get involved in NBA Top Shot that may not be fans of the NBA, do you think there'll be a link in, in like getting more fans into just the league itself? Or do you think they'll be primarily invested into NBA Top Shot? And if that's the case, could there be a possibility of more, I guess, non-fans of the, of the NBA than there are hardcore basketball fans? And how do you think that will affect the market? Do you think that will affect it at all? Or, or how do you see that playing off the mixture of like hardcore basketball fans who are into every single play that know, hey, this is going to be a huge play, and others that know the more the blockchain, the, the more cryptocurrency side of things, how do you think those sides will mesh together? Well, basically, like basically everyone that was in 2020 was kind of uh, the blockchain side of it. But now, starting you know in January, we had a lot of users, and now the majority of users are NBA fans. And if anything, this is introducing them to blockchain technology. They didn't know about it before. And in fact, a lot of people, you know, they don't know what blockchain is. Like they don't know what flow blockchain is. Um, and so they're learning about all this kind of stuff, which I think is awesome. I think, you know, Topshot has, um, I think Topshot has the potential to be able to reach a huge mainstream audience and teach them about blockchain technology, which is the underlying technology you know, behind NBA Top Shot. I think that's really important. Um, and that's what I would hope anyway. But yeah, we do see a lot of huge NBA fans and we do see that, you know, for example, if someone does really well in a game, we do see a little um, pump in their moment, actually. So it is kind of funny. Um, and that's, you know, we do have a lot of NBA fans because if it wasn't, then nobody would know how they did. And we do see a little pump in their moment um, after, you know, if they do really great in the game. So I find that very interesting. Steph, if I could pick your brain just about NFTs in general, how does Top Shot stack up with other NFTs that are available? I mean, I know NFTs are expanding and expanding, and I, I know very little about it overall. But when you look at NFTs that you've seen, how does Top Shot compare? And do you see it as being, you mentioned some of the issues with it and, and things that they need to do to make it a better experience for the users. But how is it comparing right now in, in comparison to other NFTs in general? Yeah, um, well, NFTs are extremely hard if you're a brand new person, you don't know what an NFT is. It's kind of really hard to like, because a lot of NFTs are on the Ethereum blockchain, which you have to, you know, understand that you have to get like a wallet, like, for example, you know, Dapper Labs, they created CryptoKitties. Well, when I first wanted to buy some CryptoKitties, it wasn't super easy like it is with Topshot. Like, I was like, wait, first I have to get a MetaMask wallet, then I have to get Ethereum. And then I have to pay gas fees. Like it was really confusing. Um, and it's not very easy to understand for your average person. Like it was really hard for me to understand how to do all this stuff. And if anything, you can lose, 
you know, I ended up the first kitties I ever bought, I ended up losing all of them because I lost my seed phrase, which I didn't realize that once you lose that you're screwed. Like you, you, you literally are supposed to write that down somewhere and and keep it safe forever because you can't Mm. just reset, you can't just reset that without like knowing it. So I screwed myself and I ended up losing all of those crypto kitties from three years ago, which sucks because you know, they're, they would have been really valuable now, but you know, mm-hmm. with Top Shot, it's really easy because you don't have a seed phrase. You know, they're um, they're more of um, custo- it's more of a custodial wallet. So they're basically, you know, taking care of all this stuff for you. Obviously, you know, right now you can't move your Top Shot moments off of the Top Shot platform, but that's what NFTs you're supposed to do. So in the future, they do plan on you know letting you take them off the platform, you know, storing them into your own wallets, maybe even selling them on third party sites. But right now, you know, they're they're taking care of all the moments for you. And obviously that's more centralized and that kind of goes against what, you know, NFTs are supposed to be. They're supposed to be decentralized. So there's a lot of stuff that, you know, obviously in the future, we hope that all of this stuff comes out to play. And they've said it, you know, they want you to be able to, you know, move your moments around and, and take them off the platform if you want. There should be other third party websites. You should be able to sell them on OpenSea, you know, hold them in a hardware wallet or a digital wallet stuff like that. But for now, I think it's just so easy for your average person that doesn't even know what an NFT is. You don't have to know what an NFT is to, you know, buy, buy these uh, moments. You really don't. And, and, and I think as they progress and they let you do more stuff, that's more what you're supposed to do with an NFT, people will learn. And I think that's really cool part about it. Yeah, in that sense, I it's interesting. I could see Top Shot as kind of like a, like a gateway NFT, so to speak, you know, it kind of, gets you interested in that and then maybe you do your own research and you know if if that's something that you want to explore mm-hmm. go ahead justin did you have yeah, another question i did um to that point steph if the nba top shot digital moments becomes open to third-party websites could you see a future in which you know people are trading hey i got an nba top shot for like this nft that might be music or an nft that could possibly be another sport um could you see a meshing of just other nfts meshing together and, and how do you think that will affect it would it have a that would have a negative effect a positive effect what do you what do you think about that yeah we've already seen some off-market trading going on um obviously ideally you know we want it to be smooth and transparent but right now since can't exactly move them off the site it's a little bit different you essentially have to gift the moment to someone and then you know they give you what the trade is but yeah like i saw someone do that with um nba basketball tickets someone literally traded uh, a valuable rare moment for you know a few nba tickets and i thought that was so awesome and yeah i do think that uh for sure in the future you know it'll be so much easier to just trade you know fair value trades and you know maybe not trading exactly moments but a moment for something else yeah and it could be another nft that'd be really awesome i see huge potential in that i'm excited for that actually and steph you mentioned earlier about just regular trading cards how especially during the pandemic it it seemed like that blew up in terms of popularity once you know i've seen it you know the ufc is going to get into the digital collectible market we've seen the wwe they had a huge commercial about their own nfts with the undertaker um do you see that the tangible trading card market being affected by this? Or do you think each can exist in their own silo catering to those who are interested in those collectibles? 
Yeah, I think they'll. I think they they can definitely exist in their own thing. I don't think it should be competition um, because they're totally different things. I don't think they're the same at all, you know. And I think people. I think the physical, you know, car traders will want to do both because I think that'll just be awesome and fun. And I don't see people necessarily like just selling all their physical cards just to go all in on these digital moments. I see them having both of them, and I think that would be a really healthy thing. Is if we, you know, they're more like cousins and not like enemies, you know. Steph, where do you see, I guess, the next steps for NBA Top Shot, I guess, once they get out of beta? Your best prediction? Um, I've heard all kinds of rumors about maybe the WNBA being involved. Um, of course, more historical moments. Um, where do you think, I guess, the, the next step in evolution for this platform, you think? I think um, actually being able to, they've talked about this before, but, you know, you go to a physical NBA game, you know, everyone from that game gets to scan a QR code and they get a moment from that game. Like stuff where basically it's integrated into the real world. I think that's going to be really huge, you know, integrating worlds. Cause right now it's just super separate. It's like you have the metaverse, you know, the digital world, and then you have the physical world. And I think, you know, like combining those is really, really cool concept. Um, and I think that could just make it even more mainstream. Like you can see big companies collaborating. You know, what if you go to McDonald's and, you know, instead of a Happy Meal or something, you know, a little toy in there, you can get a moment. Like, there's just so much potential on, on what we can do to start kind of colliding these worlds, physical and, and digital. And I think that's definitely the future, not just with NBA, Top Shop, but with other moments as well. Yeah, UFC is going to be next. Um, you already see on the Flow website that they're working with the NFL. They're working with a lot of these sports organizations. And, and you know, a lot of them are going to want to get on board with this. It's just, you know, they're, they need to scale first and, you know, what can they handle? But, yeah, I think there's so much potential with what can be done in the future with these moments. And with the USC being involved, I'm a huge MMA fan. So once I heard they're being involved in this, um, other questions arose just because with fight sports they're behind a massive paywall as compared to the nba you can go see those highlights you know on youtube they're more readily available but with the ufc the highlight itself is rare just because it's behind a paywall of usc fight pass or you have to pay 70 bucks on pay-per-view to to see it so do you think how do you think that's going to change the prices of those um i guess the lack of a better term top shots for ufc do you you see those being more expensive than the nba um, packs or do you think it'll just kind of level itself out once it gets more settled in yeah i don't even know if those digital collectibles will be moments because they never said that they would be moments and because it, it's also interesting because it's like what is the moment going to be someone getting knocked out and how is the other player going to feel about that you know so it's like for the nba you know they don't ever send uh like blooper moments like they want to have a good look for their brand so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what the UFC does. I don't, I guess originally I assumed there would be moments, but uh, after talking to my friend about it, I was like, I guess maybe they won't be moments. Like maybe they'll just be another something different, uh, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah. There, there's so many, I guess, um, positives and negatives, specifically on the fighter end, because, you know, you mentioned that the, you know, the, the players in the NBA, they get a cut of um, that that revenue in terms of their digital collectible and the UFC, I guarantee you they'll get nothing from that. I mean, they get nothing from other aspects of their contracts. So 
I think this could be a potential issue <laughs> in terms of, you know, I couldn't imagine, hey, there's Conor McGregor. He has some kind of um, collect digital collectible um, on this um, UFC flow, and he's not getting a piece of that, where he gets a piece of everything within his contract. So I just can foresee, like, some huge issues for the UFC potentially if this takes off the same way as NBA Top Shot does, for sure. True. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's true. Um, I want to ask you also about the NFL specifically. They, I would argue, even though I am more of a basketball fan and a football fan, but at least in America, that it is the most popular sport, um, you know, in this country. Not to mention, there's soccer outside of the United States. Um, I've heard we had another guest mention specifically that you know, um, different European soccer leagues they've toyed around with getting into the NFT space, but nothing solid yet. So once more popular sports get involved, how do you think that's going to affect things? Because they have massive fan, fan bases, massive passion. Um, do you see that? How do you think that's going to really change everything as well? Once um, those sports can kind of figure it out. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see the timeline on that. And, and that's why I think, that the NBA top shot is so crucial to like get this right and to like figure everything out because they're basically leading the way and setting the precedent. So, you know, there's def there's definitely a lot that needs to be worked on and, you know, they need to see what's going to work, what's not, because yeah, this is very easy to scale, you know, um, for different sports too, that are worldwide and global. And yeah, I think there's huge potential. I mean, for, you know, NBA uh, Top Shot, I don't know the exact demographic, but I do know on the official Discord, the demographic is like 70% U.S. So, you know, we haven't even really gone global with NBA Top Shot yet. And, you know, there's a lot of fans um, all around the world that love the NBA too. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects it. I do think we haven't even reached, we haven't even scratched the surface of potential with the NBA. So I can't even imagine with other sports, you know, you know, what, what it's going to be, I think. Yeah. And how many, you know, how is it going to be years? Is it going to be decades? Like, you know, how long will this whole thing take to actually become a huge, you know, household name type of thing? That'll be interesting to see it. Well, Steph, I really enjoyed the chat. Thank you very much for appearing on the show. Uh, please let our listeners and viewers know uh, where they can find you all over social media and also whatever projects you're working on. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter, which is, um, I mostly do quick updates on there. A lot of people found me from Twitter first, Steph Sudo, S-T-E-P-H-S-U-T-T-O. And then in my Twitter bio, you can find my Twitch. I go live a lot. I started to do a lot of collabs uh, with a lot of OGs, whales in the space as well. And it's fun. You know, I host some ladies nights and uh, we have fun on there. So my Twitch is NBA Top Shot Steph as well. Steph, thank you very much for joining the show. Um, I'm sure this will not be the last conversation we have with you as NBA Top Shot is basically in its infancy. So um, we're excited to see where it goes and just get your expert opinion on things. Thank you very much for joining the show. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you, Steph. Thanks for listening to the show. As always, you can get in touch with the podcast through email with hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, we are on all social media platforms. Please leave us a review on iTunes and check out our YouTube channel.